0: Today is a very special day in the life of River Oaks Community Church. It's a day when we begin a season that we're referring to as our Beyond Initiative. I invite you to go to riveroakschurch.org beyond and check out the resources there. From study guides and other e-publications to event signups and videos, you can find out about what we're going to be doing over the coming months to help move us towards fulfilling Vision 2025. Our first sermon in the Beyond series is entitled, Beyond Our Imagination. Does the Bible provide a goal or target for our spiritual growth? Is there hope for those who have plateaued in their spiritual lives? This message explores what God is willing and able to do in the lives of people who diligently seek Him. The scripture for the day is Ephesians chapter 3, verses 11 through 21, and our podcast begins with a reading of that scripture, by one of our new Winston-Salem fellows, Matthew Gibson.
1: Good Morning, good morning, I hope everybody is having a great morning. Um, uh, so today's word, something came to me, God is faithful, he's so good, and I think today's word surely proves that. So if you would turn to Ephesians three 11, let's read the word. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth, and to know that the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. This is the word of the Lord.
2: Amen. Thank you, Matthew. Thank you for the reminder about God's faithfulness as we enter this period of our Beyond Initiative. Matthew is one of uh, three Winston-Salem fellows that we have with us for the coming year along with Shawnice and Christian. Would you guys give us a wave over here on the front row? We're so excited to have them with us for the coming year. It's exciting to have you all here today, too. I'm so glad we are able to have church today because this is indeed a special day for us. Our Beyond initiative officially begins today, and I want to reiterate what uh, Elder Charlie Barham mentioned uh, so well in the video that this initiative is merely to support a vision, our Vision 2025. Last year, summer of 2017, our elders began to meet together to pray to seek God about the future of our church. We were praying about how we as one local church, this part of Christ's body, could bear the most fruit that we could possibly bear in the years to come. We began seeking clarity about where our emphasis should be as a church. And our vision 2025 reflects that time together. It is a very discipleship-driven, outreach-focused vision. And again, the Beyond Initiative is simply in support of that. As you read the 2025 vision, and I know many of you have, it was in our spring small group study, it's in the current small group study that you can pick up today. Copies of the vision itself are available at the Resource Center, but as you read it, as I read it, as I have done many, many times, and our elders often do when we gather, I realize that what is expressed, articulated in that vision, is only possible, will only come to pass, if we have a greater working of the Holy Spirit in our church than we have had in the past. If we have more prayer as a church than we have offered in the past. It's only possible if God does the work. But why would we seek anything less from the God that we serve? And so our Beyond Initiative is in support of this vision as we seek God to do a greater work in our church corporately, it will be, of course, necessary for Him to do a greater work in each of our lives individually, for Him to do far more abund- abundantly beyond all we can ask or think in our lives individually. And our passage of Scripture today that Matthew just read for us speaks to that. It comes from the book of Ephesians chapter 3. The book of Ephesians is... It's just a remarkable book. I guess you could say that about every book of the Bible, couldn't you? But I find the book of Ephesians especially remarkable, in part because of the way it's laid out. The Apostle Paul wrote this letter to the Ephesians from a Roman prison, and in the first three chapters he speaks of what God has done for those who are in Christ. He talks about God, God having blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. It's extraordinary. It's extraordinary. To just read those three chapters and consider what God has done for those who have embraced Jesus as their Savior and Lord. But at the end of chapter three, he shifts. And the last three chapters of Ephesians, four, five, and six, focus on how to live this out. Well, the prayer that we are studying today comes at the very end of the first section. It's at the end of chapter 3. The Apostle Paul has just spent three chapters speaking of what God has done for us in Christ. How the blood of Jesus has redeemed us and we've been adopted by God. He's blessed us with every spiritual blessing of the heavenly places. He's done these extraordinary things. And one of the extraordinary things he's done is seen in Ephesians 2 and verse 18. He has given us access. Notice these words on the screen. Short verse, incredibly important. For through Him, the hymn refers to Jesus Christ about whom Paul has been writing. For through Him, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. Now look carefully at that verse. It is, we might call it a Trinitarian verse because the Trinity is spoken of here. The hymn refers to Jesus Christ. The one Spirit is the Holy Spirit, and the Father is God the Father. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, all at work here. But I want to ask you especially to look at the word access. Access. What does it mean? It means we who are in Christ, if you have embraced Jesus as your Lord and Savior, have been brought into such a relationship with God that you have immediate access to Him. And it is, it is this access that I think is in the mind of the Apostle Paul and in the background as he comes to this prayer that he's writing. We see the word access again in 3 verses 11 through 13. Matthew read these words a moment ago, and again Paul, the Apostle Paul uses this word when he writes, this was according to the eternal purpose that he is realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. Now, what will immediately follow these verses is the Apostle Paul writing, For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, of whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. For what reason? This access provided through Christ. For this reason, he says, I bow my knees, and he begins to offer us this extraordinary prayer. In giving us this prayer, there are three things that should be noted that are true for the one who has this confident access through your relationship with Jesus Christ. The first is this when we have access through Christ, we can call God our Father. Again, in chapter 2 and verse 18, we have access in one spirit to the Father. And in 3.14, for this reason I bow my knees before the Father of whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. If you were a Jewish person in the days of Jesus, the time of the Apostle Paul, it would have been something very strange and new to your ears to hear God referred to as Father. Father especially in a personal way. My father, our father, your father. Because in the entire Old Testament, I think it's only 14 times that God is ever referred to as father. And not in real personal ways. He's referred to, in those cases, typically as the father of the Israelite nation. 14 times in the 39 chapters of the Old Testament. But then we get to the New Testament. And in just the first four Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, God is referred to His Father 70 times. Jesus introduces a very personal relationship with the Father. In His Sermon on the Mount, He says, your Father in heaven will reward you. When you pray, say, our Father who art in heaven. What accounts for this incredible difference in the way God's people are now to relate to God? Well, I think the answer is found in some words the Apostle Paul writes to the Galatians in chapter 4 and verse 4. Listen to these words. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Jesus has brought about a new relationship with God. So that those who embrace His saving work on the cross, because of His shed blood, having our sins forgiven, we not only have direct access to God, but we can call Him my Father, our Father. And that's not all. The prayer goes on to teach us this, when we have this access with God through Christ, we can have the power of His Spirit dwelling within us and empowering us. Now again, if you lived in Old Testament times, your concept of the presence of God, the Spirit of God, His immediate actual presence, would most likely be one of reverential awe, maybe even fear. This paints a picture of that, I think, in the book of Exodus, chapter 19. We read these words. On the morning of the third day, there were thunders and lightnings and a thick cloud on the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast so that all the people in the camp trembled. Then Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet God and they took their stand at the foot of the mountain. Now Mount Sinai was wrapped in smoke because the Lord had descended on it in fire. The smoke of it, it went up, the smoke of it went up like the smoke of a kiln, and the whole mountain trembled greatly. And as the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder, Moses spoke, and God answered him in thunder. The Lord came down on Mount Sinai to the top of the mountain, and the Lord called Moses to the top of the mountain, and Moses went up, and the Lord said to Moses, "Go down and warn the people lest they break through to the Lord and look, and many of them perish. The very thought of God's immediate presence would cause reverential awe, even fear. Even the priest who was representing the people before God had to use the utmost caution going into the temple and to the Holy of Holies to present offerings to the Lord, lest he do it wrongly and be struck down and die. And yet, when Jesus comes, he talks to his disciples about his departure. He says, it's good for you that I'm going away. Because if I don't go away, the helper, the comforter, will not come. And if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will receive from me and show it to you. He will take what is of me and reveal it to you he will not only be with you, he will be in you. Remarkable truth. I think if you were to tell an Old Testament believer in God that the very presence of the Spirit of God was going to live within a human being, they would have said, you are blaspheming. That is a blasphemous thought. But what it shows us is the immensity of the value of the work of Jesus on the cross that a mere human being, sinful human being, like I, like you, could have the very presence of God, the Spirit of God dwelling in us. And so the Apostle Paul says, as I'm praying, I'm praying God would do this work according to the riches of His glory, and in so doing, He may grant you to be strengthened with power, through His Spirit in your inner being. So that the way you live your life as a follower of Jesus is not dependent merely on your human reasoning or the power of your will or your hard work. Those things are good. God gives us the ability to do those things. But the way you represent God in the world is to be dependent on the power of the Spirit in your life. What Paul's unfolding in this prayer to us is a greater relationship of dependence upon the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. And he's saying, I'm, pray, I'm praying that you will grasp this, that God will actually strengthen you with power in, through His Spirit in your very inner being. But that's not all. When we have this access through Jesus, this power of the Spirit within us, enables us to be grounded in growing and the vastness of the love of Jesus. Here's what that strength and power from the Spirit is to do in you and me. Paul prays it this way, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. If you're looking for a vision of God's will for your life, this is a good place to start, this verse here. That you be filled with the fullness of God, increasingly grasping the immensity, the vastness of the love of Jesus, knowing increasingly more of its breadth and length and height and depth. It's interesting that Paul says of the love of Christ that it surpasses knowledge. I think oftentimes as Christians, we we, we get the knowledge of certain facts about God. We get the doctrinal truths, but we don't experience them as fully as we should in our lives. Let me ask you this this morning. Those of you who know you're Christians, You know you've accepted Jesus as your Savior and Lord. Like me, like all of us, you stumble along the way, you still sin, you confess your sins, you're trying to grow in your faith, but you know you're a Christian, you know you're a believer. Let me ask you this question. Do you know that you are loved by God far beyond your ability to comprehend or understand? Do you know the love of God? I'm not just talking about having knowledge of the doctrine. That's important. But this is something the Holy Spirit does within us. Something that is felt deeply in the soul. Something that he imprints upon us. That we can know we're loved by God. That is important. Because when you have that knowledge deep in your soul, you have felt and experienced that. It enables you to live differently. It enables you to have compassion for people who are lost and who are hurting, who are in need. It compels you to then show His love to other people. I think the Apostle Paul is praying, we who know Jesus, we, we need more. We need the power of the Spirit to help us grasp the immensity of the love of Christ. It surpasses knowledge. But it's a work God wants to do in each one of us. Now we may think, well, maybe that wouldn't happen in my life. It just seems impossible. Let's see what the Apostle Paul writes next. The next verses might be referred to as a doxology, a declaration of glory to God. The Greek word dox is a word for glory, and it's just a statement of adoration about the truth that God can do exceedingly abundantly beyond all we ask or think. Now to him who's able to do, and remember he's just finished this remarkable prayer about calling God our Father, about having the strength and power of His Spirit in our inner being, about being enabled by the Holy Spirit to grasp the immensity, the breadth and length and height and depth of the love of God, the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. Now he says, now to Him who's able to do far more abundantly beyond all we ask or think, to Him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations, forever and ever. As we move toward our Beyond Initiative, as we move into it, we're in it now, for the next eight weeks, there are two emphases that we seek. One is our individual growth in prayer, devotion to God's Word, and missional living. And by missional living, we, we, we mean living your life as a follower of Jesus on His mission. What we're talking about in our 2025 vision is spiritual growth leading to missions and outreach. This is the way Jesus made disciples. He called people to be with Him. He taught them. He demonstrated ministry, and He sent them out into the world. It's the same for us today individual growth in prayer, devotion to God's Word, and missional living. And it's also about our corporate growth toward our Vision 2025, which is a prayer-fueled, discipleship-driven, outreach-focused vision for our church for the years to come. And as we end the service today, I want to end with just one question to ask ourselves, and it is this. What does God want me to ask him to do in my life during our Beyond Initiative? What does he want me to ask him to do, to really trust him, believe him to do in your life during this season? Maybe a good starting place is to think of what in my life is not surrendered to God's control? Some people may say, well, you know, it's my, uh, it's my diet, out of control, eating way too much sugar. i I just not submitted to God in that area. I need help in God's area. Others might say it's too much alcohol, uh, too much power and control in my life. Others may say it's my, my relationship with money. I worry all the time. I know I struggle with, with covetousness. For others, it, it may be TV, entertainment, uh, social media. I think it would be a good thing over these next several weeks to take a a few days, maybe one week, and just keep track of how many hours a day you're spending watching television or movies on your your computer, or you're in front of a screen in non-work-related activity. If it's three to five hours a day, but there's not time for 10 to 15 minutes with God alone in prayer and His Word, something's way out of balance. What does God want me to ask Him to do in my life during this season? Would you join me as we pray about that this morning? Father, we read these words in Ephesians 3 and we think it's far beyond where we are, but you are able to do far more abundantly beyond all we can ask or think. And Lord, I pray that you would do that in each one of us here. I especially pray today for those here who are not assured in their own relationship with you, Lord, that during this Beyond Initiative, you would bring them to a place of recognizing their need for your salvation, of bowing the knee to Jesus as Lord, of receiving his redeeming, forgiving, saving grace, and becoming his follower. But for each of us, you'd take us far beyond where we are today. That we would know you better and we would love you more. And we'd be walking in close fellowship through prayer, through love for your word. And we'd be seeking the opportunities to serve and touch and minister to the world around us as you've called us to do. Do this, please, Lord, we ask in the holy name of our Lord Jesus.